Hey friends, this is Josh Blair, and I'm the pastor of Central Valley Church, and this is our podcast. My prayer for the message you hear today, that it will inspire you and encourage you to walk closer with Jesus this week. If you want to stay connected with us, please check us out at CVC Madera, both on Facebook and Instagram. And you can check out our YouTube channel, Central Valley Church. Thanks for listening. And uh, what better day uh, than today to speak about the love of God? Amen. God, I mean, we see love everywhere now. Valentine's Day, it's like the most commercialized day almost of the, of the year. Uh, even Faith and I ran to the store early this morning, and we saw uh, the most men I've ever seen shopping in my entire life this morning getting flowers and balloons and chocolates for their loved one. And they did it, hope, they did it before 8 a.m., hope, hoping that their loved one would be still sleeping. So then when, they, when she woke up, they would say, baby, I love you. I've been planning this for weeks. Here's some flowers, <laughs> still with the price tag on it from Pack and Save. Like, ripped it off. Uh, so people want to show love, and, and today we get to talk about how God desired to show his love to us. And so we're going to talk about that and his desire to connect with us. This, ultimately, God has, has desired to connect with us from the very beginning of creation. And even today, he's desiring to connect. And such a beautiful thing about connecting with people, connecting with God, wouldn't you say? It's a beautiful thing to, when you finally have a connection with somebody. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And because of this pandemic, like I said, through community groups, the way that we've been connecting is uh, online, right? And uh, I think about online connection. The biggest thing when we're trying to connect with each other is how good is our internet connection, right? If you have a poor internet connection, it's the worst community group experience that you'll have. Everyone freezes. You freeze at the most awkward moments. And you're like, can you hear us? Yeah, yeah. You're frozen, right? Internet connection is a really big deal. Why is it that our lives are so wrapped up into the speed of our internet connection? Have you ever had slow internet connection and then you upgrade to high speed and you're like, oh, this is what living is like. This is what this is like. This, welcome to the 21st century, right? Uh, we, had, uh, we had our internet, when that big storm came through uh, that was going to downpour and wash us all away, that uh, one day it, it wiped out our internet for the entire day and Faith and I just looked at each other like, what do we do now? What are we, how, what are we supposed to, how do we live? No, there's no internet. Uh, recently, my parents just got internet, high-speed internet, for the first time ever, ever, if you can imagine, 2021. They got internet out there, and uh, they live out in the country, so there's no fiber optics cable, fiber optic cable, so they have to have a, a, something they put on their roof to receive signal from, I don't, it's not a satellite signal, I think it's a tower, from a tower, and uh, they have their internet uh, through AT&T, and I saw the technician hooking it up and setting it up all right and making sure it was angled just right and there was no barriers or obstacles between that and the tower so that it had the best connection possible. And when I was watching him do that, it made me think about our connection to each other and our connection to God. And potentially there are some things that, that lead to barriers and obstacles in our lives that mess up our connection with God. And so, uh, especially as we've been reading through the book of Exodus, and if you've been reading with us through this reading plan, you've, we've just finished Exodus, we've started into Leviticus, and Leviticus gets really heavy. I want to encourage you to continue reading. If you're reading in the reading plan, continue reading through Leviticus. There's a lot of information in there, a lot of details about livers and kidneys and fatty lobes and whatever. There's going to be a lot of that. I would encourage you to continue reading through that. But as we read through Exodus, I saw this theme throughout the book of Exodus of this desire for God to connect with us. Did anyone else see that? Through that theme throughout the entire Bible or throughout the entire book of Exodus. And, and so I want to highlight this morning 
on one of those sections in Exodus, looking at chapter 29. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to chapter 29 of Exodus. If you have a YouVersion Bible app on your smartphone or device, you can pull that up as well uh, in chapter 29. And if you look, you're going to have this uh, heading. Most of, most of your Bibles will have this heading, the consecration of the priests. The consecration of the priests. And so we're going to look a little bit about this whole chapter. I'm going to try to move through it quickly about consecration. Now, what is consecration? The, the, the Webster Dictionary says consecration is uh, the making or declaring of something to be sacred. Okay, that's what consecration means. You are making something or declaring something is sacred. Well, what's the, what's the, what, is, what does sacred mean? Sacred simply means this, something that is connected to God. So essentially, this whole chapter is, is looking at how God desires to uh, consecrate these priests. In essence, he's saying, I want to make these people connected to me. That's the whole point of the chapter. God is desiring to establish these priests as people who will be connected directly to him. When they see the priests, they know that they are connected with God. And so we're going to be diving into that this morning I'm going to unpack this, this chapter, and uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of detail in this about the priests, about washing them, and what, how, what they wear, and how they wear it, and what goes on first, and what goes on after that. There's a section, then it goes into uh, the sacrifices that are, that are needed, the, namely the bull, and the two rams without, without blemish, and unleavened bread, and all that. We're going to dive into that a little bit more. As well, so I'm going to unpack this chapter. But as we do that, I'm going to look at two answering two questions for us this morning. How does the the first one is this? How does the consecration of the priests help us understand our connection with God? So how does this chapter, consecration of the priests, help us understand our connection with God? You got that? That's where we're going to be looking at answering. The second one is this: Why is that important? Why is that important for us to know? Or what is our role in this after knowing it? So hopefully, at the end of this message, you'll, you'll understand how chapter 29 is significant for you in your life. Not just reading about what a bunch of people did several thousand years ago uh, to become priests in this ancient Israel, this nation. But what does that speak to us today about our lives and our, about our connection with God? Okay, are you ready? Are you ready? All right, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would come and speak to us through the power of your Holy Spirit. We believe that your word is life, and it speaks life to us, God. Not only does it transform the way we think and the way we live, but, God, how we connect with you. So I pray, Holy Spirit, you would open our hearts to receive, open our eyes to see what you're speaking to us today. God, let these words be the words from your, from your word, God, spoken to our hearts. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so... Uh, again, you know how I love using whiteboards. I'm going to use this just as an outline for the chapter. I'm not going to go over every section because uh, the chapter is long. I'm going, to, I'm going to highlight just a few of the major points for us. Can everybody see this? Pretty much everybody? Okay. Uh, we're going to be jumping through that a bit. But in essence, God is giving instructions to Moses, who is the leader of Israel, how Aaron and his sons should be dedicated to God. And how they were, will not only will they be connected to God, but how they'll resent, re, represent God to the people. And Moses in this, in this story, in this section, is acting as the intermediary or the go-between between, between 
God and the people and God and the priests. He is the one who is performing the acts uh, for the, to the priests from God's words, his lips, to the priests' actions. And, and in essence, he is a precursor or a type of Christ in this, sense, in this scenario. Okay? So I want you to keep that as the, as a, as the filter uh, as we read through the rest of this text. Are you with me? Okay, so chapter, uh, chapter 29, starting in verse 1, the very first section of verse 1 is the purpose. The reason why God is desiring to do this, this ceremony, this consecration of the priests, uh, here's the purpose. He says this, now this is what you shall do to them, the priests, to consecrate them or to connect them to me that they may serve me as priests. Right? God is saying, I, we're going to do all of these things so that these people will be connected with me. And actually, if we jump all the way to the end of the chapter, he's saying this, so that I can be with the people, I can dwell with the people, and my spirit can be with you. So I want you to be connected with me so that I can be with you. He's, in essence, God is desiring to be with us from the very start, and he's saying this is what needs to be done so that you can be my people and I can be your God. Okay? So now, after... He says this is the initial purpose from the very beginning. Now he says this is what's needed. From 1b through, verses th- for, through verse 3, he says this is what's needed. You need, two, you, need, you need two rams without blemish. You need a bull, a young bull without blemish. You need unleavened cakes. You need uh, unleavened cakes that are unleavened bread mixed with oil, unleavened wafers anointed with oil. He says you shall make them of wheat flour, meaning it should be the very best of the flour. Not your throwaway, not your clumpy, not the stuff that's been out there for a while. Give me your best stuff. Make it and, and bring it in. Bring it into this. This is what's needed. This is what uh, I desire for this ability to connect with me. Here's what needed. And, and I, I drew here verses 10 through 14. Goes into more detail about what should happen with him. And we'll talk about that a little bit. But this is what needs to happen. And the, if, this is the first point that I want to make this morning with our desire to connect with God. We see in, in this very first section that God says that for, for a connection to be made, it couldn't happen without shed, the shedding of sacrificial blood. There had to be a, a price paid for there to be connection made. That was good. If you've right, taken notes, write that down. There had to be a price paid for connection to be made. See, God desired to connect with humanity, but, but there, was a, there was a situation that occurred. It was sin, and it separated us from God. And sin, sin uh, got in the way of our connection with God. Why? Because God is pure and is holy. As we read through Leviticus, you'll see this. It talks about the pureness and the holiness of God and, and, the, and the contamination that ca- is caused through sin. And sin separated us. There could not be a mixing of purity with impurity. There could not be a mixing of holiness with unholiness. Just like light cannot mix with darkness, right? When light comes in, darkness flees. It cannot be there, right? There's no mixing. There's no battle between light and dark. And God said, I want to be with you, but you have an issue called sin that separates me from you. I want to be with you, but sin separates us. So we have to do something about this sin because sin is a killer. And the wages of sin, the Bible tells us, is death. And God says, if I want to be with you, I don't want you to die. I want to be with you. So I have to provide a substitution. I have to provide something that will take your guilt and your sin away from you so that I can be with you. And for that to happen, there had to be sacrificial blood. Sin has to be punished. Why? Because God is a just God. 
if God ignored sin, he would not be just. Just like a judge, there's, there's a murderer who's killing people. He's a serial killer in our community. He goes before the judge. The judge is like, you know what? Ah, it's all right. We'd be like, you're unjust. You're unfit. Get out of here. You're not just at all. No, he has to punish sin. But for sin to be punished, he doesn't want to have to, be, he doesn't want to punish his own children. He says, I, I want to have connection with you, so I have to bring in a substitution. For there to be connection, there had to be a substitution. There had to be sacrifice. He wanted to connect with us, so he had to set us free from our own sin. This was a foreshadowing of a better sacrifice, who is Jesus. Jesus would be the one who would step in our place to, to separate us from our sin, to free us from our sin, so that we could have connection with the Father. This is actually the very first time that we read that there's going to be a sin offering for the entire nation of Israel, and he first establishes it here as he goes into further detail in verses 10 through 14, hence the large arrow that I drew there. And what, was, what I want to highlight here is in verses 10 through 14, it says, as the bull comes and the two rams, the priests were to lay their hands on them as a way of transferring their guilt onto the animal. And, it, and this sense in the Hebrew was not just to touch the head of the animal, but it was to lean heavily on the animal's head. And in essence, they were shifting their weight or they were shifting their burden onto the sacrifice and putting their sin upon it. And this is exactly what we do with Jesus, isn't it? We lean, our, we lean onto and into Jesus' uh, all-sufficient sacrifice for us to take away our guilt, our sin, and we put it upon him. So we are transferring our guilt onto Jesus. This points to Jesus right from the beginning where we lean heavily on him and he takes our sin away. Not only do we see Jesus in the sacrifice of the ram and the, and the bull, we also see him in the unleavened bread and the unleavened cakes. Leaven uh, or, or yeast uh, was a symbolic of sin. Just a little bit of it will raise the entire loaf of bread. If you've ever made bread before, I know a lot of people don't, a lot of, uh, not a lot of people do that anymore. But if you're going to make homemade bread, uh, first call me and let me know. Um, but if you're going to make homemade bread, you use just a little bit of yeast and it raises, it affects the entire loaf. And that's what sin does uh, symbolically. Just a little bit of sin affects your entire body. And so um, unleavened bread was symbolic of a, is, uh, was symbolic of a body without sin. In, in essence, Jesus is the unleavened bread in this sacrificial system. Why? John, John tells us that Jesus is uh, the bread of life, right? And Jesus is the unleavened bread. He is the body without sin. So again, we see this connection of Jesus being our sacrifice and being our all-sufficient one that would allow us to connect with the Father. So for connection to be made required a sacrifice. The problem was animals never were sufficient to take away our sin. It would only to cover us. It would always point it up to a greater sacrifice that was needed, pointing ahead. The second, or the, the next part in, number, in verse 4 talks about the washing of the priests. So here's the purpose, because I want to connect with you. Here's what's needed, a sacrifice. This is what also, after the sacrifice, essentially he describes what has to happen. There has to be a washing of the priests. And in verse 4 it says this, Aaron and his sons, you shall bring to the door of the tabernacle of meeting, and you shall wash them with water. What I love about this 
is that you bring them to the door. It doesn't say that, that you take them inside, you take them to a private place, a secluded place. No, you bring them before the entire people. You read about it in Leviticus chapter 7 and 8. They, they come before the people, the whole people, a million people gather around them, and Moses washes them in front of the entire people. This was something that was a public display of purification. It didn't take place behind closed doors. It happened outside where everybody could see. Not only that, but it says that you shall wash them with water. Aaron and his sons did not wash themselves. They received a washing just as... Uh, so Moses was the one washing them, and they became clean. Moses is the precursor or the, or the type of Christ in this scenario. So as we come to Jesus through his sacrifice... He washes us and purifies us. He does the work. But what's interesting is it has to happen in public. These things don't happen in private, in a secluded place. When you come to Christ, you can't keep it secret. It has to be done in public. People need to know that you belong to Jesus. And they should be able to see when they see your life that there's something different about you. There is a way that you live differently because you've been washed by Jesus. There has to be a public display. And it also speaks to the fact that when you, I mean, can you imagine being washed by somebody in public? That has to be, you have to be pretty humbled to do that, right? You have to submit to them washing you. And if you're going to come to Jesus, you have to allow him to do the washing. That means it takes humility. It takes submission. You say, God, I, first you have to say, I'm not clean. I need to be washed. This is what we see through the consecration or the connecting the priests to God. There was a washing. It was public, not done in secret. And every Christian, the Bible tells us, is washed. How are we washed? One, the Bible tells us through Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26, that we are washed by the water of the word. See, we're reading through the Bible right now through the entire year. What's that doing to us? It's washing us. We are washed by the water of God's word, the spirit of God. See, Jesus, uh, John tells us one one, and uh, Jesus is the word of God made flesh. The word Jesus is washing us as we read him and understand him more. He is cleansing us, purifying us. Also, it says in Titus 3.5 3, that the work of the Holy Spirit is regenerating and washing over us. So the work of the spirit and the work of the word of God in us is what's washing us and cleaning us, purifying us as we submit to his washing as we humble ourselves under the sacrifice that he's made for us. From there, for there to be connection made, number point number two, we need to be cleansed. Connection with God requires cleansing. Point number two. Cleansing not done on our own end, but done to us as we humble ourselves and submit to his washing. See, people think, oh, if I'm going to come to God, i got to clean myself up. Nope. No. We see it way back in Exodus. God does the washing. Jesus does the washing. You don't have to clean yourself up. You just have to humble yourself and say, I need cleaning. And allow the Spirit of God to do the work in you. Verses 5 through 9 now speaks about the clothing and the anointing of the priests. Are you staying with me? It says that he, uh, God tells Moses, take the garments that I have provided to you, for you, and put the tunic on Aaron. See, it's after they've been cleansed, the priest had to be clothed, but not in his own clothes, but in the clothes that God had given to him. See, just like these ancient priests, every believer has to be clothed in Jesus 
and his righteousness. Isaiah 61.10, as it's speaking about the Messiah to come, says he will clothe us with his righteousness, with his goodness. Or in other words, what, what does the word righteousness mean? It means right living before God and before others. Revelation 3.5 also says that Jesus says, I will clothe you with a, with a robe of righteousness as you stay faithful to me. See, there, there are clothes that are given to us freely by Jesus, but we have to receive them and also choose to wear them. There's a quote by Charles Spurgeon, the famous preacher, who says this, Note that these garments were provided for them. They were at no expense in buying them, nor labor in weaving them, nor skill in making them. They simply had to put them on. And you, dear child of God, are to put on the garments which Jesus Christ has provided for you at his own cost and freely bestows upon you out of boundless love. He says, put on my righteousness and put on my ability to live rightly. Submit to the fact that I have spilled my blood for you, my sacrifice. Allow me to wash you and purify you. Allow me to clothe you in my righteousness. Do you see that any part of you doing, you choosing to, I got to do better, I got to be better, I got to do, no, you are submitting to these things being done in your life. He says, put on his righteousness, and you, it says then, uh, continuing in this section, five through nine, it says, pour, you shall take the anointing oil, pour it on his head, speaking of Aaron, and anoint him. See, priests have to be anointed. The oil represents uh, it's a picture of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is poured out over our heads, indicating that there's not a small amount that he pours out, but he pours out an entire a portion of the anointing upon you, that you're not lacking in this. And here's what I think is interesting. The anointing of the Holy Spirit allows us to walk in the clothing of, of God's righteousness. It's the anointing. It's not your effort. It's, it's submitting to the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And this is what so, uh, David says in Psalm 133. I think it's interesting that he equate, equates the anointing, uh, the unity of brothers to the anointing of Aaron uh, in this section. I'm going to read this for us real quick if it comes up. If we can put up Psalm 133. I don't know if I, I didn't put it in the notes, but I just thought I would read it right now uh, if it allows me. That's what happens when you have electronic Bibles. All right, Psalm 133. It's a short psalm. It's only three verses. It says, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down onto the collar of his robes. What I think is interesting is that David equates uh, unity to anointing. Why? Because I think it speaks to our third point here, that connection with God requires right living. Right living with God and right living with others. Not in our own power, but by the power of the Holy Spirit in us. Our lives anointed by the Holy Spirit brings unity and right living. The anointing of the Holy Spirit allows us to walk in right living before God, and it brings unity between brothers and sisters in Christ. So there has to be this anointing of the Holy Spirit, not in an effort of being, uh, trying to do uh, more and be better and work harder and striving to accomplish something, but allowing the Holy Spirit to be poured out over your life 
so that you can walk in righteousness and in unity with other people. For there to be connection with God, we have to walk in right living. It's not just right believing, it's right doing in life, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now I want to jump down from here. So I kind of talked about 10 through 14 in this section about the sacrifice and what has to happen there. And I want to skip a few verses and go down to verse 19 through 21, the application of the blood. After Aaron and his sons slaughter the bull and the rams, there has to be an application of blood upon them. It speaks about God desiring the life of the sacrifice to mark those who are connected with him. In fact, in Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11, it says that the life of the flesh is found in the blood. Right? So God wanted the life of the sacrifice to be evident on the body of those connected to him. In fact, he says this, put it on the tip of the right ear, the thumb of the right hand, and the big toe of the right foot. That these consecrated priests would be stained with the blood of the sacrifice. So he's saying this, if you're going to be connected to me, it should be evident on you. It should, it should cause something to, to be different. So he put it on the right earlobe, perhaps to signify that those who are connected with him should hear differently because of the blood upon the ear. He's saying that those who are connected with me, they should work differently because of the blood on their thumbs. What they touch, it should, it should have evidence that they've been in connection with me. And what's, uh, they, they should walk differently because of the blood on their big toe, how they walk, what they do, where they go should look differently because of my connection to them. Jesus is saying this, that my blood has been spilled for you. I am your sacrifice, but is the stain of my blood on your life? Would people be able to tell that you belong to me? By the way, they look at your life and say there's right living. There's evidence that God is working. Not so that you can prove yourself, but because you've been stained by the blood. They should, they should be able to see it, how you hear, what you think, what you watch. What you do, what you touch, where you go. This is why Moses was commanded, put it on the right earlobe, on the right thumb, on the right foot. Right meaning, uh, in, in that culture, most people are right-handed dominant, so it, it was the stronger side. So there should be evidence uh, of your uh, strength walking in the blood of Jesus. Point number four, if you're taking notes, connection with God required transformation. If you're going to be connected with me, there should be evidence that you're connected with me. If you're going to be connected with God, there should be evidence that you're connected with God. Amen? Continual connection meant that you should be forever changed. The other section I want to touch on now going from 21 to verse 22 through 28 talks about a wave offering. See, after they, they slaughtered the rams... They were to put one on the offering that would be consumed completely by the fire. The other one was the portion of the priest, and they would eat of it. They would boil its meat, and they would consume it together in this wave offering. They would sit there. They would dine. And I love um, Spurgeon said that this was like as if God and the priest were eating together. God consumed his portion, and the priests were to consume their own. And what I think is important for us to, un uh, to understand through, this, through this, these verses about the wave offering is that uh, there was something significant about eating, as a part of, eating this part of the sacrifice. The eating did not begin the process of 
connecting them with God. It came after they had been purified with the blood and had been applied, after they had been washed and they had been clothed in righteousness and had the anointing upon their lives. Then they began to eat. The eating speaks of continuing relationship with God as followers of Jesus. Spurgeon said, A believing look at Christ makes you live, but spiritual life must be fed and to be sustained. So you can come into church, you can have a God moment, you can come to the altar, you can pray a prayer, God save me, I repent, I turn from my sin, that saves you. But if you're going to continue to grow in your relationship and stay faithful, you have to feed that relationship. So God is saying, look, in this portion, as, as I've washed you and I've clothed you in my righteousness, I've anointed you, the blood has been applied to your life, there, you have to stay fed in me. You have to consume me. You have to eat of me. See, eating is a good picture of a healthy, continuing relationship with Jesus. Why? Because eating is personal. No one can eat for you, right? Just like no one can have a relationship with Jesus on your behalf. Just because your parents know Jesus doesn't mean you know Jesus. Just because your parents are saved or your loved ones are saved doesn't mean you're saved. What are you doing? Are you eating are you consuming? Are you? It's a personal thing for you. Eating is personal. Eating is also inward. It, doesn't, it does no good to just be around food or touch food or even rub food on the outside of you. I'm getting, I'm getting all the nourishment I need. No, it doesn't work that way. If that were the case, man, we'd be in trouble. I looked at food, I gained five pounds. I mean, sometimes it feels like that, but that's not how it works. So just being around it doesn't mean you have to consume it. See, just going to church doesn't mean that you're being fed. Just being around other people who talk about Jesus doesn't mean that you're being fed. Are you taking it in? Are you eating of it? Are you consuming of the goodness of Jesus? We must take Jesus into ourselves, not merely in an external way, but an internal way. Eating is also active. You have to choose to eat. Right? The only time that you passively eat is when you're a baby. And even then, once you taste and see that it is good, now it becomes active for you. I've seen it. You've seen babies who are like, here, try this. Oh, snap. And then they're just like, going to town, right? So there is, eating is active. You have to participate. You have to do it yourself. And what does eating do? Eating arises from a sense of need. You eat when you recognize, I'm hungry. We, we will have a healthy relationship with Jesus when we understand our sense of our need for him and, and look to him to satisfy that need in us. The last section that I want to touch on is the week of consecration. See, this took over a week. It, it was a process. It didn't just happen overnight. It, it, it was something that took, uh, uh, took some time. It took some energy. It took some concentration. It took a willingness to stick with it. It happened over a, a day of a, a, a seven days, a week of consecration. And one point that I want to highlight is in verse 33. As God's saying, I want to connect with you. I want you to be a part of me. I want you to come under the blood of the sacrifice that I poured out for you so that I could remove sin from you, so that I could be with you. After you've been washed and cleaned, after I've clothed you and I've anointed you, after the blood has been applied to your life, after you've dined with me, you're consuming, you're eating up of the word of God, you're seeking me in prayer, you're desiring to know me, I want you to know something about this. He says in verse 33, but an outsider shall not eat them. 
because they are holy, an outsider. See, few among us, probably none of us among us, are in the lineage of Aaron, who initially this text was talking about. If you're not a, if you're not a part of the priest or the priest's family, you can't eat this, this food, you can't partake, you can't connect with me in this way. Because it was Aaron's family that had the right to receive and enjoy the priestly consecration and relationship. But what's interesting is that we have the ability to be a part of this as well. Not only from the New Testament standpoint, if you look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 5 and 9, it says that we are a holy nation, a holy righteous priesthood, that we belong to Jesus now. But even looking at the principles of the Old Testament, we can also eat of these things because God was pointing to a greater day that was to come with Jesus. Leviticus 22, verse 11 says this, that if a priest buys a person, if he buys a person and brings them into his home, they can eat of the food that the priest eats of, meaning they can be connected with God. Then not only this, he says, but anyone who's also born into the house of the priest must also, may also eat of the offering, the sacrifice, may, may also have fellowship with me, with God. Since Jesus is our high priest, we know that he purchased us with his own life. He bought us and brought him into uh, his home. He brought us into his, into his home. Meaning, if we've been bought by him, we can have fellowship with him. Not only that, the Bible also says, if we are born again, we are born as children of God. We, see, not everybody is a child of God. Everybody's created by God, but not everybody is a child of God. You have to be adopted into the family. How are you adopted? By being born again by the blood of Jesus. And then you get adopted into the family. Once you're in the family, the Bible says you can eat of the food. You can be in fellowship with God. You can have the priestly privileges of the high priest. So not only are we a part of the family, uh, not only have we are in the house because we've been purchased by the blood, but we've been adopted now we're a part of the family, meaning we can have fellowship. See, for there to be connection made, with God, connection required fellowship. We have to be together. God says, you want to be a part of me? You want to connect with me? I want to connect with you. But if you want to connect with me, there has to be sacrifice. There has to be cleansing. There has to be right living. There has to be an application of the blood in your life. There, there has to be fellowship with me if you want to be connected with me. So we're answering two questions this morning. How does the consecration of the priests help us understand our connection with God? One, through sacrifice. Sacrifice, not our own sacrifice, but the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. We had to be cleansed, not by our own doing, but, but he washed us, and we had to humble ourselves and receive. We had to be righteous to have a relationship with Jesus, but it's his righteousness that he clothed us in, and it's his power that helps us to walk it out in right living. It's his anointing that causes us. We had to be transformed, but we had to be transformed not by our own power or by our own will, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, his anointing that causes us to live differently and bring unity between us. We had to have fellowship with him. See, we couldn't because we, weren't, we were outsiders, but then he brought us in through his own blood, and he adopted us. He caused us to have fellowship causing us to be nurtured by his spirit and by his word that nourishes us and allows us to connect with him in a continual relationship with God. If you want to connect with God, 
You have to do what the priest did, verses 10 through 14. You have to lean on him. You have to lean on Jesus. You have to put your weight on him. You have to say, I trust you to take away my sin and allow me to connect with you. Jesus did all the work. He gave his life. He washes us. He clothes us and anoints us. He says, now my blood I apply to your life so that, so that you'll walk differently and look different. You'll act different. You'll hear differently. So that you can walk, you can have fellowship with me. You can dine with me. You can know me and I can know you. You're a part of my family. The second question we wanted to answer is, why is it important for us to know this? What role do we have to play? In the last verses of this chapter, God says it all. He says, I'm the one who does the consecrating. I'm the one who sets these people apart. I'm the one who makes the connection first with them because he's wanting to connect with us. It's his sacrifice, his cleansing work, his righteousness, his transforming power. What is our role? Our role is to humble ourselves. Our role is to say, yes, I need a sacrifice. Yeah, I'm jacked up. I can't live good. I can't live right. I got, I'm messed up. I come from people that are messed up. We have a long line of messed up people. I need a sacrifice. We have to say, I need washing. I'm impure, man. I got junk. I got stuff. Stuff that I've done and chose to do myself. I've got stuff that's been done to me that's caused me to feel impure and unholy. I need washing. I can't do it myself. I need you to wash me. That takes humility, doesn't it? Say, God, I submit. I humble myself. God, whatever I need to do, God, whatever needs to be done so that I can be connected with you, come do it to me. See, what is our role? Our role is to make sure that we remove the barriers and the obstacles that stop God from connecting with us and allowing our hearts to connect with him. Just like that technician on my parents' roof as he was setting up the high-speed internet connection, he was making sure, dialing it in, making sure it had the cleanest and the most pure connection with the tower. No obstacles, no barriers between it and the tower so that the greatest speed of connection could be there. We have to be those who say, God, if there are barriers in me, if there are obstacles that are stopping me from connecting with you, from, a, from stop, stopping me from accepting your sacrifice and the finished work you did on the cross for me, stopping you from washing me and purifying me. Sometimes there's some stuff in us that we don't want to let go of. Ah, that's too good, God. You can work in this area of my life, but this area I want to hold on to because I love it so much. I love this sin or I love this feeling or I love to do what I want to do in secret. That's an obstacle. It's a barrier. We're not allowing God to wash us and cleanse us and connect with us. So we have to say, God, whatever it is, I humble myself, I bow down. Whatever barriers I have. Sometimes I even pray this prayer, and I get it out of the Psalms. David says, search my heart, O God. If there's anything unpleasing there, bring it to my knowledge so that I can turn from it and give it to you. My job is to make sure I get rid of the barriers and the obstacles so he can wash me and cleanse me and purify me, and clothe me in his righteousness, allow me to walk right living, pour out his anointing on me so that I can walk rightly with others and be in unity with others, and allow, apply his blood to my life so that I look different, I act different, I sound different, not because I choose to 
just try to be a better person, but because his blood affects my life and changes me. That's my role. See, as followers of Jesus, you have a part to play in the kingdom of God. 1 Peter 2.9, he says this about every people who are, who are followers of Jesus. Not just the pastors, not those who are in, just in leadership or in ministry. He says, all of us. He says, you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. You're special to God. He says this, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Why does God want to connect with you? Because he loves you and he, he wants others to know about his love too. He wants you to be those who carry his love to other people. And he's consecrated you. He's desired to connect with you for that purpose because he loves you and he loves people. And he wants you to be his representation. See, the priests connected with God. They represented the people to God and they also represented God to the people. He's saying, I want you to represent me to the people. There are people in your life who don't know Jesus. And he's saying, I've called you out and to talk about the wonders of my love and how I've called you from darkness to light. He's called you. You're a priest. Did you know that? You're a priest in the kingdom of God, in the nation. You're a priest, and you've been called out. You've been consecrated. You've been washed. The blood has been applied to your life. Now live differently. Walk differently in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As we draw to a close this morning, we invite the worship team up. We're going to close out with a time of worship, but before we do that, I want to extend the invitation for anyone here who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. If you've never submitted your heart to Jesus, uh, then you're not a part of the family. The Bible would say you're an outsider, but God would say, I call you to become an insider. I want you to be a part of my family. I want you to have fellowship with me. I want you to connect with me because he loves you. And he has a plan and a purpose. And the reason you're here this morning is because God says, I want to connect with you. But the way you connect with him is you accept the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross for you that paid for your sin, his blood spilled for you so that you, sin would be taken away from you so that God could connect with you. He says, come and let me, let me wash you. Let me cleanse you. Let me purify you. Let me clothe you with new clothes of righteousness, right living. The way that you used to live, that damned you, that bound you, that chained you up. Let me break those things off and give you some new clothes today. Thanks for listening to this message. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel to hear past episodes. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to rate it and share it with your friends and help us out a lot. If you're interested in supporting the ministry,